Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Rolling for JJ Williams into the 25 in. Williams kicks it on. This could be a drive. Williams has scored. That little chip through by Gareth Edwards really caught the Springbok defence by surprise. Williams got his boot as he chipped ahead, kicked it through. The bounce went his way, and JJ Williams has put the line. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Uh, and as it's International Week, or the last International Week, for a little while, uh, we always hand these over to the listeners, or rather we normally do. Uh, I, today, I have been very, very tempted to read out a 60-minute monologue about why the Dragons are going to win the Heineken Cup, but Dan Killick has uh, has convinced me that that is not the right thing to do, and we should still get on with the, uh, the listener takeover and do the listeners' questions. Uh, I think you're probably right there, Dan. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not, though. We might, have to do an, we might have to do another pod on that, though. I know maybe that's one to launch the uh, to launch a Patreon with for uh, for paying paying customers only to hear my uh, to hear my bizarre ramblings about why uh, about why the dragons have have turned it all around. That's we, it. Get, we, are, we are for that. <laughs> we are going to get into the internationals, uh, but we're also going to touch on a little bit of club rugby this week because the Heineken Cup does start next week. So it's yeah straight out of the internationals into. Uh, yeah, into the, the world's most confusing edition of the Heineken Cup, but we will be here to help you navigate it. I'm surprised we've had no questions about that. Uh, they are all dominated by uh, the Wales-Italy game. So we're going to dive straight in and uh, and see if Dan's got any answers. First up, Liam Thomas, good friend of the show. I haven't heard from Liam for a while. Uh, does Wales know who to play at 10 for Pivac system? I would say we don't at the moment know which 10 to go for. And I reckon that's true in a number of positions really as mm. well. Certainly in the nine, nine birth then. So nine and 10 is, is, is still up for grabs really. I think that Sheedy had, Sheedy had an okay game yesterday, didn't he? I think he struggled a little in terms of um, settling into the game, getting into mm. the attacking side of things, but he did, he did grow into it, didn't he? Especially with sort of 15 to 20 minutes to go. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's just so tricky to play, to play in that position when, like you say, you're not sure if it's your jersey or not. The halfbacks have been, you know, rotated throughout the entire year. So I, uh, I do think that makes it tricky. But what's even harder is when you're playing behind a pack that hasn't really fired. Went a bit better yesterday at points. I think, you know, the, the front five in particular I'm looking at. But I think that does that does make it tricky. I don't know, that for me is is where the, the big problems are. Is it still all about it's still all about up front? And um but you know, I'm gonna go back on myself immediately here. But you, you're absolutely right. The nine and ten situation is is very, very confusing. And that's 
if you are trying to evolve the style of playing to something different, they're they're two absolutely pivotal positions to get right. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult position for Sheedy, isn't it, coming in? Because if he's if he's coming in at ten into a settled side where mm, yeah, you know, all, all the outside backs are the same, the nine is the nine, uh, the back row is all the same, and you know, you've got a you've got a settled you know front row and second row partnerships. Then it, it's slightly easier to get me. He's still going to be nervous, still not going to be able to read every single play, but it's very, very difficult for him to, to come in and just have, you know, an outstanding game. And I think there's a, there's a little bit of us that, that almost wants to see that magic that you see for Bristol. You almost expect it, but I think maybe we're probably expecting a little bit too much from him. So if you strip it back, he went, he went fairly well, didn't he? He, he, you know, he got, he got, he got some good points with the boot um, he did make a couple of couple of errors, but to be fair to him, he stuck at it, didn't he? And he didn't let his head go down. When when Italy came back into the game, it probably would have been fairly, you know, fairly easy for heads to have gone, start to force things. But he just stuck to the same things he was trying to do, and they came and they came they came good eventually. So he persevered, and I think that that was um, that's quite telling from him. Really, he did he did look. He looks quite composed, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. Actually, I think you're absolutely right in terms of the composure. I would say, actually, again, you know, we've been fairly critical of this side all autumn, but I would say that that would have been a very easy game for the wheels to have come off, particularly with, you know, some of the injuries. I think you lose the experience of, of Liam Williams' early doors and you've got, uh, and you've got, uh, is it Yon Lloyd or Yon Davis? Yon Lloyd, isn't it? Yon Lloyd. For yeah. some reason, I always get that wrong. And, yeah, you know, you've got a very inexperienced 15. And I think, you know, it's particularly at the end of the game where you've ended up with, uh, you know, without a second row in there too. It would have been very easy to have lost that game when you went behind. So to be fair, there, there is a, a bit of character shown there from from them as a team unit. And, and I think you do deserve credit for that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have been very easy to to sort of lose the, lose the ship. And he did, he, st- he steadied it well. I thought we... We struggled quite a bit when Liam went off. It um, we lost we lost quite a lot of shape, but we did we did come back from it. So yeah, at the moment I don't think we do, and I think there's um, you know a good number of people are calling for for us to have a look at Jared Evans as well. It's so it's so difficult. I, I've been very impressed with Jared in you know, in, in my, I guess this season really. And he's so much fun to watch. As you know, he's my kind of 10. He's very old school. You know, he's an old school running 10. He, he carries the ball in two hands. He throws dummies. I, you know, I, he's just, he's a little bit of a throwback, which naturally I love, but it's just, so, it's so difficult to, to gauge whether that form will translate at the international level. Because again, Jared would be the kind of player you would want to settle into into the side when you've got a, a solid pack and, a, and an established nine. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm a big, big fan of his and every time he gets the ball when he's playing, it excites me. But it's it's just tricky. I think we'd, you know, this this whole autumn has been dogged by the fact that Pivak has not known what his best side is. And yes, to a certain degree, the autumn campaign is for finding that out. But come Six Nations he's got to have a much clearer idea of what his best 23 is because otherwise we are going to go from stuttering performance to stuttering performance. Yeah, we yeah we, we need a lot more consistency, don't we? Which obviously Pivak's come out and said that he knows, you know, he, a lot's come out of this and I think a lot has come out of it, but I still think there's a lot of, a lot of questions in there as well. But on the 10... The ten position, I think it's it's up for grabs. I don't think anybody's really grabbed it, and I think there's you know there's some there's a case for for us to see for us to see Jared Jared Evans back in the Welsh shirt as well. I think He's playing particularly well for the Blues, and he, he he if other people are going to be given a chance and a run, then I think he uh, he deserves that as well. I think this is the problem, Dan. Is it's You've, you've got kind of an, an open audition at the moment. You know, you, we've played whatever it is, five nines throughout the year. We've had uh, a couple of tens. If you start throwing Jared into the mix now as well, it becomes, it just becomes like, you know, you have a couple of good games and then you get a run in the whale shirt. It doesn't work out for you, so try someone else. This has been the whole problem for me. And like you say, particularly at halfbacks, 
really key part of the pitch, particularly where you're trying to to change the way that you're playing. There's just been no consistency. And this is the part that that you get paid the big bucks for as an international head coach is for getting your selection. And the entire year it's gone wrong. Next year it has to go right because otherwise it's going to be a very, very difficult Six Nations campaign. And and if it's anything like the autumn or anything like last year's or this year's Six Nations, you know, he's, he's probably not going to be there but at the end of it. That's that, that's right, yeah. That that break clause is is coming up, isn't it? And he's gonna. I think a big part of the ten, Jed, is going to be linked to the the nine as well, or, mm. or or it should be anyway. Who who plays nine? And and if Thomas Williams is playing, you know, plays very well for the Blues, and Jared's going well, then that's a combination that you know maybe they'll look at, and and those two those two will come in, or do you know, or do we, you know, does uh, does he stick with with Sheedy? And you know he's a different type of ten, isn't he? And then have a, you know, have a have a more controlling ten on the bench, or again stick, you know, go with a flyer on the bench as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot of options, and it's it's pretty tough, isn't it, to know what what to do? If the weekend has taught us anything, though, because we've not mentioned Dan Bigger there, if the weekend has taught us anything, it's to not write off the players who have served us so well for the last ten years because. Tiprick and Falata. I mean, you, you may as well pick them at half-backs the way they were linking up on Saturday. They were absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I put a tweet out about this. That might have been Toby's best performance in a, in a Wales jersey. And that's some list of good performances that he's put in over the, over the years. He was utterly magnificent. And Tiprick was, was not far behind that. Yeah, I thought Falata was, was, was incredible. And... It was just so good to see him see him back, wasn't it? In you know, he's brilliant in not only in in defence, but you know, absolutely outstanding in attack all over the park. Is I know you're not a man for stats, but his stats are off the charts, aren't they? Yeah. From yesterday, and it was just yeah, brilliant. So good to see him. His link up play with Tipperick was was great. Tipperick was yeah on another on, on another level, and the two of them were. World class performances, were they from the both of them? And it carried, you know, it carried the Welsh side and, and they were the difference, weren't they? They were the, absolutely the difference. They were superb performances from, from the pair of them. That's, I guess, the thing that, that worries me a little bit is that we were very reliant on individual performances to dig us out of that. But, you know, sometimes it is like that. I suppose the thing that will give Wayne Pivak hope is that that is the kind of stuff that he'll want to. He, he will want to see a lot more of is his class players performing and linking up like that and making big line breaks and, you know, scoring some spectacular tries or certainly setting some up. So I think that's a, that is a big positive. I'll give him that. The question is now, can you do it against, you know, against the Englands and the Islands and the Frances and, and the Scotlands? You know, that's the, the big test that will be coming up in uh, in a few months' time. But anyway, let's move on because we have got tons of questions, as always, to get through. This one is from Quinton, <laughs> Quinton Quarantino. Uh, should Sam Parry be the number two Wales hooker behind Ken Owens when Owens returns? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, I've been calling for, for Parry to, you know, to, get, to get some game time and I think he, he didn't disappoint. I think he had a, he had a couple of couple of wayward throws, didn't he? In in the line out. Mm. Maybe I don't know. Is it a bit maybe maybe to be expected then? In a you know, pack that he hasn't played with before. I think that's probably you know, it's, it's probably going to happen. I thought round the park he was uh, he was a he was a right old nuisance. He was a, a turnover threat, wasn't he, which we know he is, you know, often gets turnovers for the Ospreys. And um, you know he got he got his try quite he, he quite often gets tries as well. So I thought he had a he had a solid performance in the in, in the front row. It wasn't spectacular, but a good good outing from him. Looking forward to seeing more from him. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I think it was a solid performance. I am a big fan of Sam Parry. Actually, I think he's a you know he's uh, he's been desperately unlucky with injuries over the years, and I think that's why it's kind of taken him. It's taken him a, a while to get a, to get a few. Perf- a few appearances in a red jersey, but he did well, give a good account of himself. The line out was not good again yesterday as a unit. It's just been, it's been poor all autumn. As we know, it's been poor for years, but that is something that just, just has to be addressed. And 
it doesn't it hasn't seemed to make make too much of a difference who's been playing a hooker it's been it's been weak across uh, across the board Good. how do we address it absolutely no idea i think you know i've got i've got no idea it's a fair answer it it just seems like you know we've we've had Robin McBride coached that set of forwards, an ex-hooker himself, you know, a forwards coach who's, who's got a fantastic reputation, has walked straight into a job at Leinster. But you would never say that, you know, we had a couple of good a couple of good terms where the line-out went well, but you would never say it was a particular strength of Wales. It was always, if it went well, it, you know, if it was solid, then we were in the game. It was never something that was particularly a, a huge strong point of ours. You got another former international hooker coach in them now, and it doesn't seem to be any better. I, I just, I don't know whether there are. I know we've spoken about this before, but whether there is someone who you can bring in as a specialist within this. For me, it's always been like the safest ball is when we sling Toby or Tipperick up. It just seems to be that that's that's where we've uh, we've been able to to pick up the. It's looked at it's it's most solid. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not something. Um, it's not something I, I can really suggest any proper answers behind have you got any suggestions I haven't got the answer uh, no um, and as you said it's been line has been appalling for, for for so long hasn't it um, apart from that one campaign but I do think that potentially we're we're missing Corey Hill in that area I was going to mention that, this right this, yeah, we, this is something different when we're talking about the, the pivot style of play and needing people to turn ball over, right? Corey Hill has been fit all season. He's barely featured this autumn. He comes off the bench, wins one turnover, wins another one, which was unfairly penalised. Well, I haven't watched it back again, but at the time I thought it, it didn't look to me like he came in from the side. Where the hell's he been all autumn? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good question. I know you're a big fan of him, and I think, and, and you know, as am I. And he, he's technically. Very, very good, isn't he? I, I, I don't know, but I believe he's heavily involved in the line now. It's when he's on, he's, you know, he's a good caller in that regard. And I think our lineout functions a lot better when Corey Hill's on the park. Mm. I thought he had a brilliant game when he came on. I thought that he, uh, he, he, we went up a few gears in terms of the speed of ball with him. And also, I've got to say that Wainwright made a difference there as well. The, the pair of them coming on. And I think that when you look at Falatau and Tipperick, how they were just, they read, they were reading each other so well. They were so in tune, weren't they, mm. on, on that wavelength that I think Corey and, and, and Wainwright knew that, okay, we, we're, we can add to this. We know, we know how they're playing, those two boys. And because they've, because they've played along, alongside them before, and so, in some regards, the fact that it was you know we were reliant upon Toby and Falatau, I think is actually is actually fine because when you then add in the likes of Corey Hill coming in and Wainwright, we went up a level as well. And you know Gareth Davis, you know coming off the bench, I know it was possibly a slightly easier time for him to come on because the Italians were getting a bit tired, but they all seemed to start reading each other's plays again. So it's hugely encouraging. But to go back to, I think we miss Corey Hill in the line-out. And I actually think we miss him all around the park. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with you there. As you, you, know, as you can tell, you're, you're quite right. I'm a, a big fan. I'd like to think I'm not being kind of one-eyed because I've watched him a lot of the Dragons. But I do. I just think for me, this is something I mentioned a, a few weeks ago. The thing Gatlin was so good at was identifying players who he knew could compete at the highest level. And Corey Hill is one of those. I've said it before, he's had big, big games for Wales. And, you know, Charteris was another who had... If you watched Charteris at the start of his career, you probably wouldn't have thought... Okay, yeah, he was massive, but you wouldn't have thought, oh, this guy's going to be a really top international test player. But again, Gatlin, Gatlin saw that and... and didn't you know discard him after a couple of patchy performances and in and from kind of 2011 onwards he was an absolutely integral part Gatland does this so well is identifying players who can perform at that highest level and at the moment I feel like that's really what we're missing in there is that that solidity and and I, I don't know for me it just it, it kind of showed what he was what he was capable of doing and then you know the breakdown was a mess again yesterday and it just looked a lot better when he came on. And again, actually, you mentioned Gareth Davis there. This is, an, this is another example of someone with the 21 shirt coming on and, and, 
and kind of stake stake in their claim for nine. I, I'm just not. I'm not actually sure whether it gives us any. It gives us any answers, but raises more questions. It's been the theme of the autumn. It has, yeah. How many times have we said it? And uh, yes, continuing along those lines, isn't it? Something else on on Corey Hill as well, because I did think he had a massive impact when he came on. Was the the sort of dominance of his tackles as well, mm. and and the carries that he had. I thought that from second row we we were pretty passive on on some of the carries. So we 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 just about. I mean, the Italians were hitting hard, weren't they? But. We, I, I just, I was just a bit disappointed that we didn't sort of, we weren't running in with with everything we had, or certainly didn't appear appear that way. But Corey comes on; he's just a slight shimmy of the hips and and a, and a sidestep, like 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 Falata, but obviously not. You know, no one's in the same league there, are they? But he's he's just a smart player, isn't he? And some of the hits he put in as well were big, you know, big big hits, knocking them back. And I think it's easy to look at Corey and think, well, you know, look at the body shape on him; he's not. He looks quite slight, doesn't he? He's got a few a few curves on him, and he, you know, standing next to some of the other second rows, you can kind of think, well, that's the guy we want to go into battle with. But I think we've missed we've missed an informed Corey Hill um, in the technical. The but he is informed. That's what I, that's what I don't get. He's played really well since since rejoining Cardiff. He looked he looked very good for them, and formed a good relation. You know, a good sense second row partnership with Seb Davis. I. For me, I really don't understand how Corey Hill coming back fully fit, having been off for, for six months, wouldn't be a really easy thing for, for Pivac to say, right, this, this guy's going to feature. I do, unless there is something there that we don't know, I find it really odd how little we've seen of him this autumn. Yeah, I can only think that they that they don't think he's he's in form or, or maybe that they don't... They, uh... Yeah, I can't see how they they don't think that he'd fit in with with the Pivac style of play because he is he is absolutely that type of guy, isn't he? Mm. He's got good hands. He gets a turnover or two. Um, good yeah, good tackler. Gets around the park. He, he is. Yeah, he picks good. He picks really good lines when he runs. So he does. He does burst through, doesn't he? Because he picks a great line. Soft shoulders, cut, lugs cutting in. Likes you know likes an arc in run as well. So he's everything that Pivac I would have thought would be looking for in a in the second row. Now, the only thing that may have gone against him is that because the front row and, and the pack were performing so badly, the, the, the coaches got caught up in, we need the biggest of guys in the second row. And, but that's gone down to obviously bad selection in the front row, which mm. I think has happened this campaign. There's no doubt about it. I know we can say, well, we, you know, we wanted to see, see certain players, but the selection has not been right. And, yeah, I think Corey showed yesterday that he, he needs to be he needs to be involved. He should be involved, and we're um, we get we've we've also got importantly another leader on the park when he's there. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely agree with that. Right, we better move on to another couple of questions. This one's from Rob Bradshaw. Is there any noticeable difference between the style we are trying to develop now and the Scarlets under Pivac, or is it too early to tell? given the time needed to adapt and the lack of set-piece uh, possession that we've had so far? I think yesterday you could start to see a little bit more of the way in which Pivak wants to play in the, in the, in the wider channels, forwards, Toby and, and, and Tipperick were enjoying themselves, weren't they, out, out, out wide? And the way in which we're able to build some, build some phase play started to tip a nod to that sort of Scarlet's way of playing. I think before that, no, we haven't seen, we haven't really seen a great deal. And to link it to the question, there, there was no way of us being able to see the pivot style of play because the set piece has been that, that poor. It's been disastrous, isn't it? Yeah, it's it. shocking. Scrums, scrums have been really poor as well. And then, you know, you can also bring the, the, um, you know, the collisions early on in the campaign and the, the turnovers we've been we've been beaten there and we've also been technically very very bad in that in that area as well and and, and, and that was the same yesterday do you know what I think doesn't help as well Dan is you know we look back to that that scarlet side that won the title you know kind of three years ago or over three years ago now and, and made the, the European series that's the form that Pivac got this job on the back of was the work he did with that with that vintage of the Scarlets. 
Now, the rules have been, or the interpretations of the rules, particularly at the breakdown, have changed an awful lot since then. So what the Scarlets did so well was turn ball over because they had lots of players on the park who could do that. You said before, Tyburn, Barkley, Cubby, all of these players who were, were turning ball over and they could break and, and score tries. Now, it's a lot harder to do that. A, as you say, we've not been winning many turnovers, but also the way the breakdown is refereed means that there are a lot more penalties there than there are clean turnovers or certainly that's that's my impression of it and I think that again like you say when your set piece isn't functioning well that's not as big a benefit as it is if you are a side who's got a set piece that's going well or you're getting the ball in hand and you've got the opportunity to break yeah yeah totally so you think then as well that the fact that you know obviously England have said it many times now haven't they that they they don't really want the ball it's too risky, too risky yeah. to have it. Mm. But that's actually going against a, a natural sort of pivac way of playing. That, yeah, I tell you, who would have loved the, you know, this this kind of setup? Gatland and Edwards would have been all over this kind of uh, yeah. interpretation. You know, I know obviously Gatland's had his uh, his trouble since returning to the Chiefs, but I think given that, you know, if he was still in charge of Wales, this probably would have played in his hands. It it's, it kind of reminds me of that two thousand and eight team really when. Had a really good, a really good kicking game. You had Lee Byrne at fullback, who not only was a great kicker, but was fantastic under the high ball. And then, you know, you had players like Mark Jones in there as well. And you had Shane just to add a bit of magic. But it was, you know, we played a very, yeah, a very defence orientated game. And we played, you know, we tried to play in the right parks and we kicked a lot of ball then. And, you know, without getting into the, you know, is rugby boring debate, which I know we've, we've kind of covered, it's uh, it, at the moment, the way the laws are, in, are being interpret, interpreted definitely means that you are better off not having it because it is, it is too risky. And that, I think, will, will not be helping the style of rugby that Wayne Pivak was, was hired on. You know, if that's what he's trying to implement, then he's obviously going to have had to have have changed from that because it's a much more kicking orientated game than, than we were used to seeing them play at the Scarlets. Yeah. I mean, Pivak's style of play is, uh, you know, before this new, this new law change was, was high, high risk, wasn't it? Because you've got to be so accurate. And if it goes wrong, you're going to be penalized, but now even more so. Hmm. So yeah, that's, um, yeah, only, uh, well, we'll have to see how it goes, right? We will. Right, we've got loads more questions to get through and I do want to have a quick look ahead to the uh, to the Heineken Cup. So always a good time to talk about the Heineken Cup before it started because it means that it means that none of the sides are out of it. Uh, so we're going to be doing all of that in the second half. But first, we're going to have this very quick break. Right, this one uh, is from Ian Alexander. Dan, pessimistic, but if it wasn't for Tipperick and Falatau playing to their world-class best, would we have lost that game? Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> Take your time. We would have. We would, yeah. yeah, we would have, I think. Um, I mean, we, we said it earlier, didn't we? They were the difference. You know, they made, they made, they made things happen. They made us tick. And everything came off the back of of, of their plays, really. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's quite that's that's quite likely the case. I do think, though, that you know, within performances regularly, you do have a couple of standout players that just move and sort of provide oil and gel to the whole to the whole side. And we've been crying out for it from from Falata, and we you know he had a he had a good game the week before, but this game yesterday was was another level from him um against you know a side that were were, were physical weren't they they were they, you know they were they were up for it and they can be a little bit difficult at times to, to to break down but he led he led extremely well so yeah probably um probably I'd agree with that yeah I would I definitely agree with that I thought that as you know as you said in the first half both those players were absolutely outstanding and it needed that level of class to to get us through it I think the the disappointing thing for me with the performance was that second quarter of the game, having gone 14 nil up completely switched off. You know, it was a proper, I don't know, lack of concentration that let them back into the game. And we could have, we could have got caught off guard very, very easily. And, you know, when Classic they... Welsh performance, I thought you were going to say there. 
It was no, it was it was a I don't know, it was real kind of like asleep at the wheel for that second quarter and came out after half time and then they scored, you know, they scored and scored a try. Uh the, the big open side flanker mayor kind of barreling his way over and skinning Louis Rizamit on the outside, which wasn't which wasn't fun to watch. But yeah, as I've said, you know, good character to get to that point. But these are the things you've got to you've got to add out. If you if you play twenty minutes like that against England or Ireland or or France or New Zealand or anyone, that's that's game over. You know, you you will lose a fixture if you if you're that sleepy and and dozy during that that extended period of time. So, yeah, that you know, there's there's lots of things to to be worried about. But as I said, composure to not throw it away. But it was yeah, it was Tipper and Falatau for me that that really did the uh, uh, put in match winning performances. So yeah, fair, fair play to the to the pair of them for doing that. I think you Stick. said then, oh, it, did you say dopey or lazy? Dozy, dopey. Dozy, that's it, dozy. Oh, well, yeah. I, think either, I think either works because it's, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it was not, uh, it was not switched on clever rugby. It was, it was a, yeah, messy at the breakdown. All the, all the things that had been bad in previous weeks kind yeah, of I think we've, reared their head again, didn't they? It, they did, yeah. And, and that's been a cause for concern for me in terms of our, our discipline. And it was, mm. It was really apparent yesterday, wasn't it? How how basic a lot of our our pens were really that we conceded yeah. because they weren't. It wasn't from it wasn't from sort of Italy putting us under pressure. I thought really it was just really basic mistakes from us. And you know, you alluded to earlier, really. If if we were playing a stronger side, we would have been punished in that first half quite brutally. Mm. But because it was Italy, we weren't. And we just seemed to make similar mistakes, you know, two or three times over before we then corrected it. But we can't be making we can't be making the mistakes in the first place. But then to do the same mistake two or three times on top of that, that's uh, that's a big concern, isn't it? I don't know what that's coming down to. Concentration, I don't know, but it was sort of across the park, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And yeah, the penalty count has not been good all autumn. It was pretty ugly in that first half again yesterday. So, again, things that just have to get fixed before uh, before the Six Nations begin. But just sticking with uh, with what we were saying there and that question from me, and this one's come from Gareth Davis. If we had lost, would it have mattered? Uh, we got more international game time for the likes of Louis Rees-Samet, Sheedy, Lloyd, Parry, both of them, etc. We need to change our perspective, expecting to bring on the next generation to compete at the next Six Nations Rugby World Cup means these type of fixtures are useful. What do you make of that, Dan? Would it have mattered? I, th- I think it would have, actually. As much as I've not been a big, yeah, I do. big fan of this tournament, I just think you have to go out and get a win against Italy when you're, that, you're in that bad form. Yeah, because of how poor we've been playing and the results have gone, you know, gone against us, and rightly so. We haven't deserved the wins. That I th- I, Again, I think that was a must-win, a must-win game yesterday for back the rest of the coaches and also the team as well just to show that we you know we can beat you know we can beat size I mean we, you know we should have we should we should always be beating Italy shouldn't we they're you know they're, they're not a great side at the moment and yeah I think the, the positives are that we we've seen a lot of different players play I think I'm not sure this is a positive. I know, you know, I know we like to, this autumn is for experimenting a little bit, but I can't help but think that, I know he's given a good account of himself, but I think Jim Bowden would have been better off playing for Cardiff over the autumn. And to a certain extent, Shane Lewis-Hughes, again, he did well, good individual performances, but I don't know, that balance of the back row wasn't right really until until yesterday. And yeah, okay, all right, Bowden was a, was a part of that. But I think that, you know, the form players, if you look at the outstanding performances of individuals throughout the, the autumn, Wainwright, Tipperick and Falatau have really been, have really been the standouts. I can't help but think if they'd played together a, a fair bit more, that we would have had a, we would have had a better, uh, we would have had a better tournament. I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe it is more important that we've got these answers now at the end of the tournament going into the Six Nations. But I just think that there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of players who've kind of been chucked in and there's a lot of experimentation. And I think when you're doing it with one or two, that's okay because you're able to, to bring them in. Like we were saying at the start of the show, you bring them into a settled side. But 
it's very very difficult to bring in wholesale changes i don't know i, I just i feel i Again, I, I'm being hypocritical here because at the start of the tournament, I did say that that's what this is all about. And I was also saying that we should be getting getting people capped, you know, get Sheedy capped, get Lewis Rees-Samick capped. You know, I even wanted to bring in Varney and get him capped, didn't I? So, you know, what do I know? But yeah, all I would say is I think the chopping and changing hasn't helped. The fact that we've used lots of players, maybe in the long term it will, but it hasn't helped the performances in the short term. Yeah, I think it hasn't helped in terms of in terms of the performance that we've made so many changes. And I think we've got, you know, a lot of it's come from the wrong calls in the front row. We've played the wrong, you know, we played, you know, we've got the bench wrong. The bench should have often been starting. And then it just, it just brought, put more pressure on, on other, you know, other, uh, other facets of the game really all over. So I, I think, I think, look, I think it was good that we've seen, you know, people like both of them, because we know that he can play at at test level and you know where he's better suited to that sort of physical you know that sort of physical game around the fringes and you know with a six with a six on his back and Pivak's tried to play him out wide he's you know I think he he could potentially do a job in you know out there if he if he really has to but that's not where we want him playing so uh, and then for Shane Lewis Hughes he's I thought he played very well very well, but the balance wasn't right. But at least we know that he can front up in those games. So there has been quite a lot of positives, but equally what we haven't got is we don't know, we still don't know um, what what the best side is, do we? And certainly in certain positions. So it's sort of, I don't know, it leaves us feeling a little bit, a little bit sort of all at sea really, doesn't it? With, with this, with this campaign. But I think, in hindsight, we 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 could have done we could have done a lot better here with with getting the selection right and then tweaking, yeah, you know certain selections that then would have meant right that 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 now works. He he can slot in there, um, yeah, and he's also good enough. And then and then trying someone else, also giving people a run of uh, you know more of a run of games. But you know, look, I suppose that's hindsight for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you look, if there was a game to do it, it's the it's that last game against Italy, isn't it? The you know, the the consolation game, if you like. So certainly there's a there's there's an element of that. I think we have got a few more answers. I, I think you have to look at those performances from Tipperick and Falatao and say that these players have to be in that back row and you pick a six accordingly. Now, whether that's a you know, whether that's a a Moriarty type who's going to, you know, who's going to just get through loads of loads of big hits in defence for you or whether it's about bringing in a, you know, whether it's bringing in another fetcher and Ellis Jenkins, Ollie Griffiths type. That's, that's then the, the thing, uh, the thing to ask at, at six, but I think you have to look at that seven and eight and say, right, we now know that they need to be in the team. Oh yeah. For, for you know, for, for definite, I don't think there was any real question marks over, you know, over, over Tipperick was there throughout the, you know, throughout the campaign. Uh, Toby obviously did start very, very slowly, didn't he? He really did. But um, yeah, he's come into it, and you know what a what a back row now when Navidi comes comes back God, in. I've got, I've, I'd even forgotten to mention Navidi there. Exactly. Yeah, you got you got Navidi to add into the mix as well. Well, actually, yeah. If so, if, Navidi, got, if Navidi's fit comes Six Nations, then. You know, then you look at that, and that's a mouthwatering six, seven, yeah, eight. We've got, we've got probably three back rows. We've probably got three back rows now. We could we we, we could put out when it, when everyone's fit. So, but was that not the back row that started against England at Twickenham? You know, in February, are we not? Has it taken us all year to get to the conclusion that oh, yeah, do you know what? The best the best side was the one that started at Twickenham all those months ago. Well, I think I I think that we probably we probably did know that, didn't we? But it was. You know, we obviously with injuries, with injuries, we, you know, we haven't been able to uh, play Navidi, and Navidi's been, you know, we just need him somewhere, you know, somewhere in that in that back row, don't we? But it's six has been a a bit of an issue, for, well, a big issue for us, isn't it? During this during this campaign, and more than that, the the balance. But I do think that the balance has been has been affected 
uh, hugely because we've got the the, the front row, mm. the front row wrong, and arguably you could say the second row as well, which yeah. then does have an effect on the balance of the background, who's doing what, and you know if you're a player that that likes to play in a certain way and you start you're doing the jobs of many others, your overall impact is going to be is going to is going to go down, it's going to be diminished and. Uh, and eventually you can you can look as if you're not really on the park. And I think partly that has happened at times for Wales. Yeah, no, great points. This one is from Jonathan Davis. Positives from the autumn. He has suggested uh, Lewis Rees-Samit, Johnny Williams, Sheedy, etc. Have we discovered any players who weren't good enough? Uh, and we're going to still need to win more turnover ball against top sides. Definitely agree on the turnover point. I think we've we've covered that. Uh, yeah, what are the positives for the autumn bid for you? So yeah, I think I think it's been great seeing Zamet, isn't it? Um play. I think he's had some some good games. You know, one or two one or two errors in there, which he's always going to have coming into international rugby, but he's shown up well. Johnny Williams, I thought, as you know, looks like a really, really good find at twelve. I think that's his shirt now. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's his shirt. It's just offered a bit in a side that's been faltering. Having that direct option at twelve, I think, has made a big difference. So, and he's and he's done more than that too. But I've, I have been impressed. I think I said at the start of the autumn that I'd only seen a bit of him and it had been solid, but I was yet to see right. Johnny Williams is the answer. I, I think he's performed very well across the autumn and and has made that twelve shirt his to lose. Really, he has. Yeah, he's got he's got that at the moment, hasn't he? Which is, uh, you know, which is which is great, um, and I think I think you know I, I liked seeing Sam Parry yesterday. I think that it's amazing to think that he's twenty nine years of age, isn't mm. he? Just as you put, as you said earlier, you know, some terrible, terrible injuries that have that meant that we're only seeing only seeing him now, really. But he's um, I think he's a he's, he's a good option. Sheedy, yeah, he's. You know, it's not an easy it's not an easy position to play. Is it ten? A lot of tens have struggled. I, I think it's it's very rare that you come in as a ten and have you know just start playing fantastically well. You need to. I think you said it earlier, didn't you? You need to almost know that the shirt is yours for a run of games. And if you don't perform after that run, then it's taken off you. But you know, it's too difficult a position to to just sort of you know come in at, at an international level and, and and slot in. I know some of the some of the best in the world have done that, but it's good to see Sheedy doesn't he? Doesn't look out of place there. I think that there was a few calls yesterday that he was sort of shuttling along the you know along the back line and gave a few poor you know poor passes to the centres who then got clattered, and then others were saying that you know what he was doing there was 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 sort of drawing in you know drawing in the inside and the outside from preventing them from going too wide. Which was part of what he was trying to do. I, I, I'm not too sure about that, to be honest. But he, um, yeah, like I said earlier, he stuck to it, didn't he? And he delivered those good passes, and and it's so easy when the game isn't quite going as well as you'd like it to. That your head, your head just goes. The confidence drops, and so much of, of of the game is about confidence, didn't he? And he's obviously got it. He's got the minerals to just keep going, and then he delivered that killer pass, which was a great pass. It really yeah, was, it was a lovely pass because it wasn't easy to do either, and he made it look he made it look great. So yeah, I think there's a, that, that, that's a that's a real positive as well. Him, you know, him playing, and yeah, you know, I think we can put in both of them in there as well. Has shown up well. I think it was a difficult game for him yesterday. Um, I think, and, I, 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 yeah, he's definitely shown up well, and I am a big, big fan of his. Right, but I don't, I don't think he gets in. The, I don't think he gets in that in that squad. If I'm no, honest, he's not going to. You know, I, I don't think, think he'd be anywhere near. I just, I for me, given he's had so little club rugby, I would, I probably wouldn't have fast tracked. Yeah, I know there's been injuries, so yeah, okay, maybe, maybe he's been fast tracked in, but I don't think that he's he's going to be have his his place in the squad cemented off the back of the autumn. I think he's, you know, it's now back to Cardiff and go and and go and keep putting those performances in. I like I say, I'm a big big fan, but. Tipperick, Falatau, Navidi, Wainwright, Moriarty when he's fit, I still think uh, you know, a, a considerable step up at this stage. He's got loads more to give. And you know, he's got the potential to be real, real top class. So I'm not having to go at him at all here. But 
for me, I, I do think that there's, you know, there it is really important now that he goes and gets a good run of games for Cardiff and uh, and carries on developing his uh, developing because he's what was it like fourteen games of rugby he played fourteen professional games of rugby before before getting his first international cap. So, you know, I think there's just a, a degree of getting yards under the belt now. Yeah, there, there is, but I think he'll feel fantastic along with Shane Lewis Hughes going back into the into the Cardiff Blues camp, thinking you know we've. You know, we we've we've done well there. We've we've shown up, we've fronted up, and we didn't look out of place in in you know playing playing international rugby. And as long as they're they're managed well, and you know, in their debrief is you know they they need to be told, don't they? That look, you you you've played brilliantly, boys, but you know you are behind a number of the other you know the other players. That's just the way it is. But go back. Keep working so, hard. Know, keep, yeah. yeah, keep working hard. Take the experience that you've got from this, and you know, keep um, you know, keep working hard and sharing your experiences with you know with some of the some of the other younger you know younger guys because they I know they're young themselves. But if I think it's always good to help others, and that that can only hopefully benefit us moving forward as long as they're managed. They don't think well, they don't get disappointed. Then they're not they're not then selected because realistically, they're only going to be selected if there's if there's injuries, isn't there? And you know we've got you know the likes of say Ollie Griffiths then who's who's not selected at the moment, but it's just the way he, the way he plays. If he stays fit, he's coming in. He's coming in in some form, isn't he? He really is. Right. Let's. Uh, we've got so many more questions. I don't think we're going to get through them all tonight. So apologies to anyone whose questions we don't get through. But keep sending them through. Really appreciate it. And it's uh, it's always good to be able to hand the show over to you, the listeners, because that way we get to. We get to talk about what you want to hear. So thank you to everyone who sent them in. This one is from Sean Jones. Couple of cracking questions here. Wales need to pick a scrum after the Six Nations and stick with them. Who would you pick? And his second question is, what players would you bring in from outside the squad for the Six Nations? So the, the nine position I, at the moment, I, I'd have to hold my hands up and say, I, I don't know at the moment. It, it's A lot of it's going to have to go down to regional form now isn't it mm. over the next the next few weeks there's a lot of big games coming up and we're gonna have to see how you know how all of, how all of the nines play I don't I don't think I don't think any of us can really say that 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 is you know you know this particular guy is the nine for us at the moment because there's been there's been so much um so much movement in in that position, good number of people talking about, you know, Thomas Williams. I think he's, he's somebody that I know you like, mm. you know, I, I like him. He's, he's got errors to his game though, which, okay. You know, all of our nines, you know, seem, seem to have at the moment, but I think Thomas Williams is someone that is, is a really exciting prospect. If, um, if he can tidy up a few parts of his game, then he's, he's got to be there or, you know there or thereabouts, and maybe that's maybe that's another link in them with 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 Jared. But we'll have to take have to. That's another another pod, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So. I, you're right. I think the Christmas derbies. There will be a lot on the line. I think that's going to play a big part in terms of who gets into the squad. One thing that yeah, I, I think one thing that I think hasn't helped was this. Yeah, and we look, we covered this at length last week, but. The chopping and changing at nine, particularly bringing Lloyd in from out of nowhere to then be on the bench to then starting, I think was a was a very very odd decision and and kind of very strange selection policy. I would like to see someone get you know someone get a run of games at nine because we just haven't had that. And Thomas Williams, if I had to pick someone now, would probably be my front runner. I just think that he's the kind of player that can can make a big big difference. Um, but again, maybe you know, maybe now is not the time to be picking someone who's an exciting jack in the box of a of a nine when you really need ultra reliable box kicking. But I said that's another thing. But yeah, if it was up to me right now and I was trying to build that side, it probably would be the one I'd go for and I'd give him a run of games. In relation to the other one, what players would you bring in outside of the squad? You've mentioned him there. If Ollie Griffiths is fit, he is straight into the squad. And he where we're talking about turnover, he is he is a wrecking ball at the moment he's causing absolute havoc at every ruck it's yeah I know know you have to take it with a pinch of salt because it's not only the Pro 14 but it is the Pro 14 while the internationals are away 
But we've said for a while, this kid is kid, you know, not even a kid anymore. He's 25, 26, but he's absolute class. And if he can stay fit, I would just love to see him get a proper outing for Wales because he has everything. He's a really strong ball carrier. He's a demon at the breakdown. He gets through a stack of work. He's uh, he's an absolute joy to watch. And I can't think of anyone in the world who would particularly want to, you know, would would want to play against him. He's a nuisance. He's a pest. He's like a rabid dog at the break at, at the breakdown. So he's the he's the one that that springs to mind for me. Yeah, he is. He 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 relish having to go at anyone as well, wouldn't he? He mm. loves a battle and he loves fronting up and you know, obviously, you know, at the moment he's he's playing well in when the internationals are Right, but we've seen him. We've seen him um, have, you know, he almost without without exception has a has a man of the match performance in almost every game he plays, doesn't he? And that's when the internationals are there as well. So, yeah, he's somebody that uh, I think we need, we've got to get involved in the Welsh squad. Any other players, Dan, who's caught your eye this these kind of last few weeks or this season? I think I think for me, most of the most of the players that that I'd like to see are actually are actually involved in the um you know in the Welsh setup. I think mm-hmm. that maybe uh you know Prothero interesting um is someone that I just keep my eye on at the moment. He he just seems to have so much time on the ball, runs lovely lines and he's creating he's creating a lot for the for the Ospreys when you look at their tries. There's a lot that's coming from him. So He's um he's pretty exciting, but uh, there's a couple of you know a couple of decent centres out there playing well as well. But I think at the moment, really the the boys that are involved are you know I, I, at the moment I can't see anybody else coming in other than uh, Ollie Griffiths really and and Thomas Thomas yeah and uh, and Jared uh, I, I do think Jared um, is, is playing well enough to you know, to be, to be looked at as well. Okay. Interesting one. Yeah. I think, yeah, as we said there, a lot is going to hinge on the opening rounds of the Heineken cup challenge cup, and then the Christmas derby. So there's a lot of rugby to be played between now and the six nations. And I think that's what you've got to base it on. Cause at least the derbies are a step up in terms of intensity. I think you can always read a bit more into that form than you can ordinary pro 14 form. And then, yeah, Europe is a different, you know, is a, a different kettle of fish. So I think that's that's what we've kind of got to have a look at. Right, we've probably got time for one more question. So let us go for this one from Matt Cornelius. If and when Anscombe regains fitness, is he the clear choice for Wales 10 and straight back into the squad? If so, at the expense of who? So on current standings and how it's going, yeah, I would say if if he... Anscombe would be the the ten that would, well, pretty much walk back in. Really, if he's if he's this playing the is, way. This is the problem, mate. At the moment, you know, it's so hard to see him regaining fitness. That's the that's the real problem. And he's yeah. been out for a heck of a long time, and he's going to be out a hell of a lot longer. He hasn't played a game since signing for the Ospreys, so. It's you know I I don't it's a huge yes I don't think we yeah it is and I don't think we can become fixated on it and so for me it would be if he regains fitness and gets a run of games for the Ospreys and has proven you know that he's that he's still the player he was before which I really hope he is because I think he was it's desperately unlucky because he he made a massive impact at ten for the for the Grand Slam and I think it definitely blunted us somewhat in the in the World Cup. Not as you know, like there's there's very few people out there who are as big a damn bigger fans as me. And he did, he, you know, again put in massive performance at the World Cup. But I think just having both of them in the match day 23 was so so important. I've said it before, you know, Anskin was you know able to look to to get the ball uh, to get the ball moving and and look to create a little bit more when he was on the pitch. Bigger would come on, shore things up, close games out, and that was absolutely huge. So. For me, it has been a massive loss, and I, do, you know, I do feel for him. But it's such a huge if right now. I just hope he's able to get regain fitness and and get some, you know, get some game time. Well, whenever it's going to be, but it's it's no time soon. That's for that's for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in like a utopian world, and he's he's able to come straight back in as the player he was. He'd be there, wouldn't he? He'd be our ten, and he would answer. It, it would answer a lot for us um, with with the way Pivac plays as well. He's he, he's he's right in there, but it, it isn't gonna it isn't gonna work out like that, is it? As you said, he's gonna have to play a series of games just to get just to get the feel back, and you know, hopefully, he can come through that. But um, yeah, that just us talking like that shows, doesn't it, that the tension is 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 up for grabs. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, unfortunately, that's probably all we've got time for in terms of listeners' questions. We do want to have a quick look ahead to the European rugby. So just a recap on the fixtures. Gets underway on Friday night, Dan, and the first website in action is Cardiff Blues away at Newcastle. This is in the Challenge Cup, of course, uh, which you'll be able to see on uh, S4C as well, which is good news. If you haven't got a BT subscription, um, that's uh, it's good to know that that will be on some free-to-air TV. Uh, so, yeah, Newcastle versus Cardiff. Newcastle have started the season very well. Cardiff have had some decent performances in amongst some bad ones. What do you, yeah, what do you think is going to happen here? Which of these two sides is, is kind of going to be taking it a bit more seriously? We know Cardiff historically like this competition. They've won it yeah, twice. Cardiff, yeah, Cardiff like this tournament. I think I really fancy Cardiff to win that, win that game up in, up in Newcastle. You know, Welsh, quite a, quite a good number of the Welsh guys uh, coming back into the camp. Mm. Um, you know, whether, whether, obviously we probably won't see all of them involved, but they'll be, they'll be feeling good. And I think it is a tournament that, that the Cardiff Blues will, will want to win. So I fancy them in that. Yeah, I think what's been disappointing for Cardiff is they've, they've had, there's been some really good elements. I've been really impressed with how the tight five has gone in recent weeks. And uh, I think someone like Ben Murphy is a really under, you know, he's been a real find for them, has made a big difference. How many times have we said that Cardiff have just needed more grunt in the front five? And I think he's, he's put in some big performances of late. You know, likewise, the Thorntons and the Ratties. And, uh, yeah, Ratties gone like isn't he? Yeah, I think they've they've all been they've all been good, and the scrum has generally been good as well. It's been a massive difference having our hip fit, and so the, all the components are there. But there's a couple of games out there that they should have won. They they really dropped off against Glasgow the other night. I think the there was an opportunity to beat Ulster. You know, strangely, the the best performance was probably against Leinster when they shipped forty points. But you know, they showed how they could compete physically against. Uh, you know, against a, a top-class side. So I think they've got it all to do against Newcastle. I think for me, it depends what Newcastle are uh, kind of targeting. They've started the season really well, but I think that I think you might be right that Cardiff will probably take this a bit more seriously than Newcastle, just given that Newcastle got stung a couple of years ago when they were in the Heineken Cup off the back of that good, uh, that good finish in the league and trying to fight a war on two fronts and they ended up getting relegated. So I think that they will be, you know, if they get a win, great. They might they might kind of keep their eye on it. But I think the league is the priority for them and uh, and perhaps that gives Cardiff a better opportunity. Saturday afternoon, the European Champions Cup, Heineken Cup in old money. Uh, Bath versus Scarlets at Bath. God, think back to that fantastic game a few seasons ago. Tyke Burns sidestepping, Anthony Watson, all that. This would have been fantastic. In the Tyke. wet. Yeah, yeah, it would be fantastic to have uh, the wreck packed out for, so wouldn't good. it? Which is, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully those kind of scenes aren't too far away. But yeah, Bath versus Scarlets. What do you make of this, Dan? This is, this is a tricky one that's to a, call, I think. Tough, I think it's going to be tricky for Scarlets to get a result here. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think you, your money's probably just on, on Bath for that one, with it, with it being at home. Uh, Toby straight back into the team for them yeah oh yeah yeah straight in and yeah I'd probably have Bath to edge that one I'd love to be going down to see, to watching it that would be fantastic wouldn't it yeah it'd be a, it'd be a great one to yeah. get to I'll tell you what I wouldn't mind getting to this either Dragons Wasps in the uh, in the Heineken Cup as well which is you know does does seem very that's strange. a fascinating game now well, it is. Wasps obviously had a fantastic season last season and uh, and finished runners up in the in the Premiership. 
Dragons, obviously, you know, we, we kind of know where they are. But Wasser had a stuttering start to the season, again, lost to Newcastle this weekend. It's, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I would anticipate that Wasser's just going to have too much, too much class here. Again, this thing about fighting a war on two fronts, you know, Dragons have, have genuinely, with that win today, have kind of, have kept the, the opportunity of, of a playoff, of a playoff place alive. I know it's still very, very early in the season, but, you know, what, what would be more important to them? Realistically, they're not going to get, they're not going to get to a Heineken Cup quarterfinal, are they? What would you be tempted to do if you're Dean Ryan? Do you want to keep the momentum and you go fully loaded and, and really try and build something here and pick up a, a scalp? Or do you try and rotate and keep everyone fit for the Christmas derbies? It's a very, very tough, tough one, isn't it? Because you do want to keep, you want to keep the wins uh, coming, but, the, the squad just is not is not big enough, is it, to to put out the the top side and you know then expect probably not to pick up pick up an injury or two or, or it's you know it's too risky. Then I would say, isn't it? I I think that they they'll probably have to rotate a little bit for the for the for this wasps game. The 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 focus the focus is probably. Um, is probably on those derbies, really. It seems a little bit defeatist, but I think we've got to be realistic, haven't we? Possibly. Although the a lot, thing, the a thing lot that might help win. Dragons, that might help with Dragons here, and I think this has helped them in the last two weeks where they've picked up back-to-back away wins, is they had a few weeks off. They've had a good break and a good chance to train together and iron out some of those faults that had dogged the start of the season. I know it seemed, you know, it seemed like horribly bad news at the time when you know, when they had the games postponed due to the positive tests, but they've come, I think they've really benefited from, uh, you know, from having that, from having that break and coming back. And perhaps that means that there is an opportunity. Whereas, you know, whereas Wasps have been playing a hell of a lot of rugby, they've gone all the way to the final. They've had a few weeks off, then they're into this. I don't know if I was Dean Ryan, I'd be tempted to go for this because a win, a win over Wasps would be massive. It would be absolutely massive. (laughs) I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm I'm complete U-turn. Got to go for the win. Best side. Get the the win against Wasps and the season is well and truly on. Come on, the Dragons. Watch this. Ollie Griffiths limps off after eight minutes. And uh, and, uh, and, yeah, normal services resumed and I'm back to being the the world's biggest pessimist. But I don't know. I'd, I'd be half tempted to go for it. But maybe that's just the high yeah. of, uh, of. No, I'm with you. Yeah, got to got to go for it. What on earth was I thinking? Uh, Ospreys versus Cast is the the final Welsh uh, related fixture, and that is at eight pm on Saturday night. Again, you, you never know what the the French relationship with this tournament is going to be like. That's one of those absolute cliches out there. Is this important to the Ospreys? Is the league more important? I, I don't know. I think, given how poor their last few seasons have been, they could do a lot worse than targeting a cup run in the uh, in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, I think I think you know wins are wins, aren't they? they? Need to get a win. So yeah, Cass coming over, got to be got to be looking at a win there. Do you know what? As well, I think Dan, like let's say you know, let's say you were to get out of the get out of the the Challenge Cup and head in, you know, head into a quarter final, and I think that. The opportunity, you know, of of getting a, a big fixture and the the chance to have, uh, you know, to have a crowd there would be, you know, would be would be something absolutely massive. Again, it might still only be a limited a limited crowd by then, but I don't know. It just could be something that would really buoy the, you know, buoy the spirits at um, at the region. And I don't know to go on a to go on a cup run. I think would would give the Ospreys something to cheer in a few seasons that they have had absolutely nothing to cheer, you know, because thing is the whole time they, uh, they, they've been in the, they've been in the Heineken cup getting absolutely drubbed really. And, you know, it's an opportunity I think to, to go out and like you say, wins are wins. And I think it would do a lot for the morale of the, of the side and of the region who have, yeah. you know, have, have started okay. And I think that they're moving in the right direction, but this could be a little shot in the arm for me. Yeah, cup run can do wonders, can't it? Especially, especially at you know the Ospreys where you've had you know a, a lot of a lot of change, haven't you? Um, and so I think yeah, I think that'd be a good a good tournament to to target and you know really go for the wins if it comes off fantastic. If it doesn't look, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, that's um, it'd be a good it'd be good to see a good good cup run from the Ospreys, wouldn't it? Real, real, really give them a boost. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you you looking forward to those games? 
I am looking forward to yeah to those games. Um, Scarlet's Bath is yeah that's um, that's mouth watering, isn't it? Similarly, actually, I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna almost say all of them here. I've got to say that yeah, the Dragons against Wasps. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Blues against Newcastle. That's yeah. That should be you know should be a, a solid, solid, and good game as well. But uh, I think for me that the pick of them would be would be Dragons, Wasps, and uh, and Bath. You know, Bath Scarlets. They're they're the ones I'm I'm really really looking forward to. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I hate I hate to end the the show on a downer, but it is just it's such a shame that you know I think off the back of like two wins for the Dragons. And then having wasps at home, you could have seen a good crowd at Rodney off the back of that. You know, it could have been exactly what people were, you know, were looking for. And I think particularly against an English side, and that that would really have been a, you know, it could have been a, a night that the that the old place was rocking. And likewise, Scarlet's Bath, you know, we, as we said, we saw that a few years ago. You know, one of those fantastic atmospheres that you get at, at club rugby and Scarlet's. These are the games we want, aren't they? They are the games you want. They're the games um, we all want, and yeah, the, and I do know, think the even, stadiums would be packed, absolutely packed. Even even Newcastle, uh, even Newcastle Cardiff, you'd love a night out in Newcastle, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the, the, those are you know that's a game as well. Yeah, you really you really want to uh, be involved with as, as a as a spectator and Anna. And as a player as well, I suppose you do, don't you? You know, Wales, England, club sides. It'll be it'll be great, yeah. And for supporters, you know, going up to Newcastle, having a uh, an absolute humdinger of a night out <laughs> and a weekend. You know, there'll be some there'll be some stories there. That's for sure. Stories that can't be repeated. And um, and then back, you know, back back to work on a Monday. It's yeah. it's just it's exactly what we want, isn't it? It's just a bit of a shame that um, you know the times we're in, but still. You know, we want these games, don't we? So, you know, no, even if even though there's no fans there, it's it's exciting now, and it's going to be a good week moving forward, isn't it? Because of that. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll end it on more of a positive then, because we uh, we had a wander round this morning to uh, to the rugby club around the corner from us, and uh, my wife's nephews. Oh, I swear they're my nephews. I was like, what the hell am I talking? So my yeah, my nephews were playing. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're playing. Uh, we're playing in in touch, and again, it's just been it's just been good to see, you know, even though it's not the same yet, and you can't go and sit in the clubhouse afterwards and and all that stuff. It's just nice to see a, a degree of a little bit of return to normality. And as soon as those things are, that I guess you know you you take for granted, as soon as they come back, you know how amazing would it be to just go to any rugby club and watch a game and and stand and have a pint in the in the clubhouse? You know, as as you and I have done many a time over the years and and then yeah go to go to a professional game and get to stand on the terrace it's got you know it's just uh i don't know dan i can't i cannot wait for the return of those things and it does feel like it doesn't it we're 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 edging closer to that as well so uh yeah everyone's just got to hang on in there now but yes the it's the simple things isn't it that you realize you miss so much so yeah not long to go there there we go all right well it's been another uh it's been another fantastic set of questions apologies we couldn't get through all of them but keep them coming every week we love answering them and uh, yeah we will be back next week to uh, yeah to look at the the results from the uh, from the Heineken Cup and from the Challenge Cup uh, a quick word as always for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades We've got some great offers on at the moment so if you're struggling with ideas of what to get some people, uh, some of your, your family or friends for Christmas you could do a lot worse than heading on to socoffeetrades.co.uk get it all sorted there delivery the works all done so yeah big thanks to them for uh, for sponsoring us for the last few years uh, but that's it from us we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon sports social podcast network